You're listening to Hometown, a podcast by Episcopal Migration Ministries, the Refugee Resettlement and Migration Ministry of the Episcopal Church. Here on Hometown, we seek to build a community of welcome by sharing interviews, stories, and actions that you can take to advocate for our newest neighbors. Thank you for being with us. Hi, I'm Stephanie Whitehouse, the program assistant for EMM's new Neighbor to Neighbor program. On this episode of Hometown, I'm speaking with members of Neighbor to Neighbor's own Tri-Parish Sponsor Circle team. This Sponsor Circle consists of three Episcopal parishes who have teamed up together with Neighbor to Neighbor to do the critical work of welcome with individuals arriving in their communities. I speak with Embry Howell and Reverend Julianne Bunting from All Souls Episcopal Church in Washington, D.C., Jess Sanchez and Lucy Brummel from St. John's Episcopal Church in Lafayette Square, and Dana Martin from St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Arlington, Virginia. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me today. I very much look forward to speaking with you about community sponsorship with your tri-parish team efforts. Let's jump right in. So I would love to ask this group, why does sponsorship through the Sponsor Circle and with Neighbor to Neighbor matter to you? Well, thank you for that question, Stephanie, and and thank you for the invitation to be with you this afternoon. I was struck in uh, by Bishop Michael Curry's statement in his Christmas address when he reminded us that one of the ways that we love as God loves is to help those who are refugees, those who seek asylum from political tyranny, poverty, famor, famine, or other hardship. And uh, I've I've always been very interested in the refugee and immigrant community in our area, especially uh, the Latin American community with which I'm most familiar. But when our parish was watching with the world in horror what was going on with the fall of, of Kabul, we began to ask ourselves, what could we do? That we, we felt like this was so compelling that our faith was calling us to welcome the new strangers coming into our midst, and that began our search. Yeah, I'll chime in. This is Embry. I would uh, echo what Dana said so eloquently. At All Souls, we also were seeking a way to participate in helping with this huge uh evacuation and migration of people from Afghanistan. And obviously it is our Christian commitment to welcome the stranger in our midst. We had done this before with two other Afghan families, and I wouldn't be surprised if we do it with another family. And it's wonderful to be collaborating with two other parishes to do that. I would say that I think the sponsorship is important because, you know, we all are reading the news, we pay attention to world events, and we, you know, oftentimes just ask ourselves, what can we do? We're seeing this as Christians, you know, we want to be involved. And I think that the sponsor circle is a tangible way to take action. It's kind of a way to answer the call for us to love our neighbor. It's a way to answer the call to support um, Afghans who, you know, had to flee their homes and 
really urgent and traumatic situations oftentimes. So it's a way to be tangibly connected to what's going on around us and, and to support someone who's, you know, a family that's, that's new to our community. I'd like to dovetail on what Lacey said um, about, um, about this witness and serving in the community. Being involved in this um, sponsor circle initiative has also been, you know, a very nimble way to respond to the way that um, some of the social service agencies that previously had facilitated a lot of refugee resettlement efforts um, had been negatively affected by both the pandemic and also policies of um, the previous um, administration where their funding and their activities were uh, curtailed so that this was a way for us to be able to step up in the public square and witness to um, real uh, outreach, uh, real tangible support for folks and to do it through this sponsor circle program um, that allowed us to do it quickly and with a minimal amount of bureaucracy. Thank you so much for that, Julianne. Yes, I really think this effort does a great job of filling the holes and the gaps in so much of the governmental systems, um, which is a large part of why EMM's Neighbor to Neighbor program was even was even established. So. You all are involved in this effort as a sponsor circle as part of EMM's Neighbor to Neighbor program with a mighty team of three parishes. So can one of you all speak to a bit about how you got started with Neighbor to Neighbor and how you how you heard about us and what that process of getting started has looked like? Um, I could speak first. Um, and actually, uh, Dana, I will say that it was one of the parishioners at St. Mary's, who had already been connected with Episcopal Migration Ministries, because I believe when each of our parishes was exploring how we wanted to get involved, there was a period of time when each parish was reaching out in various ways. And um, so a member of St. Mary's had already been connected with uh, EMM. And so it was a natural, as we were filling out our sponsor circle application, we were asked which umbrella organization we'd like to be affiliated with. And since it was three Episcopal parishes and one of the folks had already been in contact with you, that seemed very uh, natural to us. Sure, and I can give a little bit more history um, from the perspective of St. John's and kind of how we got into this work initially and, and, and were led to neighbor to neighbor, um, you know, back in, in 2015, when we were seeing the images coming out of the Syrian war, um, I think there were a number of our, um, parishioners who just felt like we really needed to take action. And at that time we were looking at what are the needs in our community and how can we add to those needs, um, without, you know, without duplicating efforts, without reinventing the wheel. And so, you know, we tried to plug into existing, 
um, grassroots organizations, existing structures. And so, you know, we we worked at the time with the Good Neighbor Program um, with Lutheran Social Services as, you know, kind of the entity in our area that we could support to, um, you know, have hands, you know, provide hands-on assistance to refugee families coming into, into the D.C. area. And so, you know, with this new need after um, the takeover of the Taliban and this huge influx of Afghan refugees um, into our community, um, you know, we thought it was really exciting that there was this new program, the sponsor circle program that, you know, we are, you know, kind of, we are on the cutting edge, you know, paving the way for this, uh, this idea of, you know, kind of direct private sponsorship. Um, and so it was, um, you know, as Embry said, sort of a natural fit when, um, you know, we were introduced to the neighbor to neighbor program through EMM, um, you know, to, to plug into, to, to that network of the Episcopal church to be able to provide these you know, kind of hands-on support services. Yes, and and even though at St. Mary's uh, we did have a member who had a contact with with the Episcopal Migration Ministries, we were really the new kids on the block. We did not have experience in refugee ministries before, and it, it was funny. We had uh, kind of. Uh, an awkward start. We said, well, what if we just go out and rent a U-Haul truck and put it in the church parking lot and let's see if parishioners uh, bring items and then we will figure out where to take those. And that's pretty much how it began. We we loaded an entire U-Haul truck with some beautiful furniture. Some of our parishioners were relocating. And then we got a hold of Christ Church, historic Christ Church in Alexandria, Virginia. And they've been very involved in uh, in migration ministries and sponsoring families. And they helped us place that truckload of furniture. And then they also were very helpful in talking to us about what is involved in trying to sponsor a family. And I think we became somewhat concerned at that point that because of our lack of experience that we might be getting in over our head. And that's when we learned about uh, the possibility of this tri-parish ministry working together with two other parishes that had had some experience in this area. And it was just a perfect fit. And, uh, it, and, and I might add to that that it's been such a joy working with this group because each church, each parish has its own culture. Uh, we have our own skill sets. And coming together and getting to know each other has been such a blessing and a lot of fun working together, even the hands-on work of, of loading trucks and moving things. And then we've divided up into teams. You'll probably go into that later, uh, but it was a wonderful way for us as a new parish coming into Migration Ministries uh, to be able to have the support of, of seasoned veterans. Absolutely. You talk a bit about you know that kind of overwhelm, the initial overwhelm of thinking, oh man, you know, we want to do this, but we don't know what we're doing. I I would say that thankfully with neighbor to neighbor, we've we've tried to build a a support system in which, you know, we are with you every step of the way, every step of the five phases. Um, so I'd love to hear about how your your experience with neighbor to neighbor is has been so far and what the experience of training has been like. This is Embry again. I think that we were a bit of a pilot for 
for EMM in terms of sponsor circles. I, I know you've had some others too, but we were maybe one of your early uh, sponsor circle groups. And so we perhaps didn't benefit as much as those coming online now will. Uh, at All Souls, we had previously resettled two Afghan families. And so we, but that was not in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, Dana, you're downplaying the importance of the expertise at St. Mary's. You're located right in the heart of Arlington, Virginia, where our family was resettled. All of the experience that St. Mary's has with the links to the social service, rich social service environment in Arlington has been incredibly beneficial. From the start, finding this wonderful apartment, helping us find this wonderful apartment and taking it from there. Um, so I, I think it has been very helpful. For example, right now, um, someone in your group is helping to find the missing social security card. Um, there are five members of our family. It's very critical that they all receive that critical paperwork and it includes the employment authorization. Even the baby has employment authorization card. <laughs> um, and then the social security card. So it's been very helpful to have you folks giving us advice in that. That's one area that I know of. Well, thank you. And if I could just jump in on that quickly again, thank you for mentioning that, Embry. And while we had not had experience at St. Mary's in sponsoring a family directly, uh, St. Mary's is a wonderful church in terms of outreach. Uh, we give 25% of all of our offerings, all of our income to outreach. And we have a, a, a wonderful group of parishioners who are very involved in all aspects of the Arlington safety net. And so that's true. That did position us well to be able to interface with Arlington uh, County Public Services, as well as with private groups uh, that are working throughout the county. So uh, yes, that was a great advantage. And thank you for mentioning that, Embry. I have been the representative from our tri-sponsor um, or our tri-parish um, sponsor circle to EMM. And I think what we've realized is that constant communication with EMM and having um, direct lines and kind of organized lines of communication has been really helpful for us. And I feel like I can say that every, all the staff has been really responsive. We felt supported and it's been really helpful for us to have a plan about how we're going to work with EMM, how we're going to work together. And that really has worked pretty well so far. And as Embry said, it's been especially incredibly helpful about all just, you know, the details of things that um, go on that might be a little bit out of our range or familiarity, like getting a, a social security card and not understanding that process um, with an Afghan parolee that EMM can step in and help. So that's been really positive. Well, it's been really amazing working with all of your parishes. So um, can you tell us a little bit about how each of your teams are organized and what services you are providing or planning to provide? I'll speak to that and then others can fill in for me. We have six teams and each parish is leading two teams. 
but we all participate. So it's not like they go off and do all that. And we don't, we, so we, uh, we have a steering committee and so far we've met either weekly or every other week. That's an indication of the time intensity of this effort. Our family arrived about two months ago, so things are starting to slow down a little bit. But let me see if I can say the teams in alphabetical order. Okay, we have the education team responsible for linking the children to school and the parents to English language classes and other training. We have the employment team supporting uh, the dad in this case, because mom is still home with the kids, the dad in seeking employment. We have the housing team that uh, rented the apartment and helped with all the setup and is on going basis uh, working out paying the rent. And we have the legal and financial team and the they are working on all of the uh, particularly now on on the visa uh getting the permanent residency and then um and and setting up the budget and the managing the finances of the three parish team group and then we had the welcome team which is most of our work is over but we're going to sponsor a couple of welcome events so that's did I leave anything out? I hope not. <laughs> That's how we're organized. Well, and then, um, you know, at the St. John's level, you know, kind of we have the six committees and then, you know, each parish has taken two. So uh, St. John's leads the employment committee and the financial and legal committee. And so, uh, you know, we reached out to our parishioners and we have a, you know, a listserv that we have created over the past five or six years of uh, parishioners who are interested in supporting our refugee efforts and who are interested in receiving updates about the work that we're doing. Um, and it's a it's a pretty large group of, of folks that are, you know, either on, you know, one end of the spectrum, very, very active and engaged and, you know, to the other end of the spectrum, just really support our work and just, you know, want to know what we're doing. Um, and so we reached out to that group of folks and asked for, um, you know, volunteers to step up and lead these committees. So we have a parishioner that leads the financial and legal committee, and we have two parishioners that jointly lead the employment committee. And so their, you know, their role is to then, you know, further plug into um, organizations and, um, you know, leverage the expertise both within our parish and within our community to be able to provide these services. So we had a handful of parishioners that are immigration law experts who they, you know, can then, um, you know, serve as a resource or connect to other firms, law firms in the area that have this expertise that can provide pro bono services. And then we have, you know, our, our uh, parishioners who are leading the employment committee then, you know, help connect our family um, to organizations in the area that specifically focus on um, resume development and, um, you know, skill building and, and, and you know, helping, um, you know, helping our family kind of be connected to the, the, the right places and be looking at the right things in order to be able to find a job. So we've been connecting to Samaritan Ministries and others. Um, so, you know, I think
think we're constantly trying to reach, you know, you know, kind of be parishioner led and kind of reach into um, our networks and our networks networks uh, to really, um, you know, just bring all of the the expertise and, um, you know, kind of volunteer energy um, into into these areas. And, and a special shout out to the legal team at St. John's. It's uh, That's been such a strong and important part of this ministry. And it was interesting that uh, I guess about two weeks ago, I received a call from a, a dear friend who is working with another Episcopal church in the district. And they were having some legal problems. And so we connected them uh, with the legal team at St. John's and they were able to help them out as well in their work. So uh Thank you very much for that. I'm very embarrassed that I forgot, Dana, the Health and Human Services Committee team, because that is really a critical team. I don't know when I was, I should have had a list up in front of me. Uh, That is the team that has linked the family to all of the social services, such as Medicaid and SNAP, food stamps, and WIC, and now the health providers, that's been a huge challenge because um, within the Medicaid program of Virginia, you then have to choose a managed care plan, and within the managed care plan, you have to choose your providers, and we needed to find providers that accept Medicaid and accept that particular managed care plan. And then wanted to have those providers be accessible to the family with public transportation. So that's been a huge challenge. And uh, St. Mary's is leading that team and they've just done a great job. Yes, thank Thank you you. so much for elaborating on all of those services and all of those responsibilities. I know it's it's no easy task and I'm so glad that everything has been divided up and everyone is supporting in their own in their own unique way with their own unique gifts. Um, so can everyone kind of tell me what what is something you are excited for in this work as a sponsor circle? Having worked with, this is the third family, it's incredibly rewarding to see the family become adjusted and settle into our way of life here, having overcome so many challenges along the way, both before they got here. And and so I guess it goes without saying, just seeing them grow and get settled, and especially the children. I love seeing the children get adjusted. It's incredible. I think what really excites me, uh, this is Dana again from St. Mary's. I think it's the model itself, the sponsor circle model. Uh, I think it's remarkable that our government came up with this and has invited uh, local citizen groups to participate. It's it's unusual to see uh, national government, federal government, cut through all of the bureauc- bureaucratic red tape and and really enable and empower local groups to to take on this responsibility and respond quickly and. Uh, I, I understand that this is that more people have been placed more quickly than at any time in this country's history in terms of refugee resettlement through this program. So I, I sometimes think about this as being a bit akin to uh, Chef Jose Andres World Central Kitchen. Uh, I had the opportunity to work with him one time in Guatemala, and just to see how you can come in around 
the traditional bureaucratic structures and and just let people get at the business of, of, of doing what needs to be done and doing it quickly, I think is just amazing. And I, I hope that this, this inspires um, other efforts in other areas going forward. So that excites me. I'd like to say, this is Julianne, Julianne from All Souls. Um, I am excited to see this initiative that works across three parishes. As we know, a lot of times parishes like to stay in their own little lane. And so to see, so to see the coming together of three parishes on, in a cooperative way on this is fabulous. And also that this is a lay-led um, effort. Um, I'm the priest at All Souls, but it, it was sort of like, um, it was not, oh, my idea or anything. It was people coming to me and saying, hey, this is going on. We want to proceed and, um, and like keeping me in the loop. But it was really showing exactly what we expect in the notion that all members of the church are ministers whether they're lay or ordained. And this came about through just active, well-organized, um, uh, lay-led ministry. And it's, um, it's a great example of the ministry of all the baptized. So what is something within this work that has been challenging, either for you personally or as a parish? I don't want to dominate conversation, but... Um, the, the challenge is just we have so much enthusiasm and so, so much energy. The challenge with three parishes and volunteers from each is, is keeping everyone on task and not tripping on each other because there's so much to do. An example would be uh, the English language um classes that the employment committee was ready to get because that's related to employment and the education team was ready to get and that's related to education and everybody was doing exactly what would need to be done but they were kind of working along in parallel uh the lucky thing was that they both landed on the same the same classes so it was fine <laughs> But um, another challenge that's sort of related to that is that um, you want the family, you want to minimize the stress on the family. Um, understandably, it's just, it's overwhelming the, what they're facing. And we want to be helping them and not adding to their stress. So we're we trying to keep the number of people that are relating directly to the family uh, somewhat small, and yet everyone wants to meet them. We have a lot of parishioners who would love to meet them. So I'd say that's that's a challenge that we haven't quite figured out exactly what's the right happy medium there. If if I could respond to uh, several several of your points, Embry, I I agree. You know, we we don't have a full time secretariat. We don't have a full-time employee that's running this. And we are all volunteers from three different parishes and we're geographically separated. So that's right. It's easy to uh, sometimes uh, 
get in each other's way a bit. Uh, but I think we we try to keep it nimble and light. And I don't think it's ever been a serious problem. It's you realize when it's happening and, and you coordinate and, and it all works out fine. I think that one of the challenges that I had not anticipated, and I know some of my uh, colleagues and fellow parishioners at St. Mary's have shared this with me, is the emotional dimension to the family's resettlement. And we had been very involved with all the logistics of getting the apartment set up and making sure they had were connected with social services, that they had all the resources they needed. But I think it's interesting. Uh, I, I imagine that every refugee family has their own story to tell and varying degrees of displacement. And I think in the case of the Afghan uh, families, oftentimes they're coming from a situation where they've lived with a large extended family in their home country. And that's the life they're accustomed to is being with uh, aunts and uncles and cousins. And the story of our family is one of increased and gradual separation where as they made their way from one country to another country, the extended family was broken up. And finally, by the time we received the family, they are living in an apartment in a strange country with a foreign language. And they don't have that whole support structure of their extended family anymore, other than through um, WhatsApp. Thank goodness that we have WhatsApp. They love that. But I think that trying to understand how to give the family the best emotional support we can, even though we'll never be perfect at that, uh, has been a challenge. Well, and I think related to that, um, you know, there's this sort of this intersection of a tremendous amount of work to do um, and a large number of volunteers across our three parishes that are really eager to contribute and, and, you know, and, and, and be a part of this effort and the need to be respectful to everything that Dana just said about what the family's been through and sort of this tremendous transition that they're going through. And so, you know, I think that that's a, it's, it's a challenge to, um, you know, keep the effort as this, you know, this large collaboration of our three parishes and all of the parishioners that want to be involved with it. Um, but, you know, when, when it comes to some of the daily work, you know, we also really want to keep it to a very small number of people um, so as not to overwhelm the family and so as to not, um, you know, kind of overstep some of, you know, some of the boundaries um that, you know, just how, how scary it must be to be in a new country and a new place starting over. Um, and so I think, you know, I think we're kind of constantly trying to think through ways to, um, you know, bring the family to our parishes, you know, whether that be, um, you know, recording a video of the family so that we can, you know, kind of virtually introduce the family to our, our congregations without overwhelming and, you know, thinking, as Embry mentioned, kind of thinking through what some of these kind of what these welcome events might look like. Um, but, you know, kind of trying to continue to build the connection, but in a way that's, um, you know, really mindful and, and respectful of, of, of the family, um, the family's kind of, you know, um, um, emotional boundaries that they need. 
I would add one thing to that. And in, 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 in spite of the emotional challenges that the family is facing, it's also inspiring to see uh, especially the father's strong commitment to make this work, to do everything he can to, to become independent, to, to you know, do the things that he needs to do. And, and I also find that inspiring because, again, I can only imagine what this whole experience looks like through his eyes, through his family's eyes. He loves his family. He's obviously very concerned about their well-being. And, and to see his resilience coming through and his, and, and frankly, his gratitude to this country. And he says that he wants to give back because he received so much uh, from this country during their time in Afghanistan. And so where he finds that resilience, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it probably comes through his own faith, but I do find that inspiring. Absolutely. I would say that of all the folks we have talked to and the stories we've heard, resilience really, really comes up as one of those top buzzwords that really highlight um, everybody's experience through this process. So with that in mind, what would you say to folks who are interested in or maybe they're new to community sponsorship or sponsor circles? What would you say to those who want to get involved in this critical work of welcome? Well, I would say that um, there's so many different different levels, and I think our three parishes represent the range of ways to get involved from taking on our first family, just one parish, and we didn't have a lot of money, and we, you know, it was more limited, but we still did an awful lot for that family to you know, the collaborating with maybe taking a, a good close look at whether you have the resources within your parish or congregation to do the whole job and either carving off a piece of it or collaborating as we have so that you can provide the whole range of help needed. So there are a lot of different ways to get involved. And, and be careful that you don't bite off more than you can chew. I think Embry, Embry makes a great point about assessing what your congregation and really, I think, taking an honest look and having conversations together about what you can offer is really important. Jess mentioned that St. John's in particular has been working, working with refugees in many different ways uh, for several, several years. And so it really took us that long to kind of get an assessment of where we could take this leap to be a full on, you know, sponsor circle and work with other congregations to do this. So I would definitely advise you to assess internally of what you can offer and what you can do. But then I also would just say that the time is now, if you've ever considered it, I mean, the opportunity is here. It's, I think Dana was talking about what an exciting thing this is that the government has offered us to be able to do sponsor circles that if you've ever wanted to get involved and have more direct involvement in refugee resettlement and supporting a family getting to know a family that this is really the time to do it so 
I would just say the time is now and that EMM is there to support you. And, you know, once you've done that internal assessment to figure out what you can offer that, um, you know, really just encourage you to, to jump in. I would add to that, that, uh, know that if you want to do this, if your parish is interested, you won't be alone. Uh, when they created the sponsor circle program, it's, it's structured in a way that every local sponsor circle has an umbrella organization which works with them and, and make sure that they are have what they need, that they're trained properly and, and can handle this. But I think we're so blessed in the Episcopal Church to have EMM as the umbrella organization for our efforts. It just makes it so easy. We, we tend to speak the same language. There's just a a common understanding that we bring to this ministry. And so to, to be able to do this and have that kind of support at the national level is uh, really makes it a lot easier. And if you are interested, I would say just do it. Absolutely. I think, Dana, as you mentioned, um, EMM really is aligned with this model of sponsorship. We, we've been doing the work of welcome for since 1980s. So really, I do think it's a great opportunity to already be on that same wavelength and trajectory for doing welcome. And like, like you all mentioned, you know, we, we as EMM and through neighbor to neighbor, we will help you every step of the way as an umbrella organization, because um, we do have five phases. And one of the first and most important one is discernment. So really, during this phase, you can complete an initial interest form and attend an information session. Um, and that would be facilitated by Reverend Chris McNabb, who is our neighbor to neighbor program manager. But really, this phase really allows you to, you know, ask questions and understand more about the program and how you can begin organizing. And it's a really important step in terms of, um, like Embry said, making sure you don't bite off more than you can chew or just you know, make sure that you have the support that you would be able to commit to um, this process. So thank you for adding all of those things. And then I would like to ask folks individually, what called you to this work and how did you personally get involved with this work of welcome? I can start by saying that I, I think that this work of welcome is really deeply tied to the baptismal covenant. And for me, it's, it's really tied to that commitment that I make. And that honestly, I feel like our church St. John's makes to each other and to our community that we are going to love our neighbor, that we're going to treat everyone with dignity and respect. And I think that I'm really proud and excited to be a part of a church that takes that seriously. And I honestly want to give Jess a lot of credit for inspiring our church to take this ministry on refugee support ministry. It's been extremely gratifying. I've learned a lot by working together with the church on these issues and, you know, knowing that we have a lot more to give than just, you know, attending church on Sunday that we want to be beyond ourselves, beyond the walls of the church and engage with the community. And I think um, this work really lets us do that. Thanks, Lacey. I think kind of building off of that, you know, I, um, St. John's uh, started and, and you know, me personally and, and, and St. John's started, you know, kind of 
entering into the world of refugee support really just because the world is so overwhelming. And I think we just grew tired of reading the headlines and seeing the photos. And, you know, you look at the the statistics and the numbers on on refugees, but, you know, then you start to read the stories of, of these humans, of these people, of these children of God. And I think, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like we just sort of reached our limit of not taking action. And, you know, this idea that, you know, Bishop Curry talks about this way of love, you know, this is our, this is our Christian faith in action. This is our obligation to do something. And I think it's, you know, a very natural human inclination to just think, you know, I am one person, what can I do if this large global issue, but, you know, I think that there, there are things that we can do and, um, you know, this, you know, this idea of becoming involved in a sponsor circle is, is, is one way, you know, but I think the, you know, the key is just to first kind of come to terms with the fact that like, you know, me personally, as a Christian, as a human, you know, can affect change. And that that's, I think that's really empowering. And then think about, well, what can I do with other Christians, with other humans that are also dedicated to affecting change? Um, and it, it's, I think it's really, um, I, I completely agree with Lacey that this is, this is tied to our baptismal covenant and just sort of the, um, you know, accepting that this is um, our, our obligation then it's a matter of just looking at what is the best way to become involved? What is the best way to be a part of the solution? Um, and I think, you know, kind of accepting that and and you know, it starts to sort of reframe your worldview. And I, you know, it has been incredibly exciting over the past five or six years um, to see the, you know, just the incredible support from our congregation, from our clergy, um, you know, that, that feel the same way, that see the world the same way, that, you know, view our obligations, Christians the same way, um, and just, you know, really being able to see what, you know, what can we do, um, you know, when we, when we put our mind to it. At this, at this time of, of special time in our church year, it's so nice that it's overlapping with Ramadan this year. So one of the things that I have really appreciated about working with our Afghan families is that they are, they have a whole spiritual life that you learn about a bit from a distance um, and can appreciate their uh, calendar and, and their festivals and their worship uh, and learn about it. So that's something that I've really enjoyed coming out of this. I think the this whole issue has really been building in, in my mind for years. And I think when you see the masses of people gathering at our southern border, for example, Every one of those people has their own story, and everyone is our neighbor. I, I lived in Guatemala. I was working as a as a lay worker in the church in the late 70s, early 80s, when the Civil War broke out. And I lived among an indigenous group there in the Mayan highlands. And most of the people in the area we lived in had never 
even gone very far beyond their own villages. A lot of them had never even been into the regional market center uh, where the regional markets were to do shopping. They they just remained in their own home. And that was uh, evidenced in their language that each town had essentially their own dialect and and or their their own slang. And people could tell which town you were from by the way you spoke. And what happened to lead a half a million people that had never left their village to flee into a foreign country into Mexico and to the U.S. during that time? I think that that really cemented this story in my mind that people don't leave their homes uh, without very good reason. And we were just looking out our back window this morning and we have a, a dogwood tree in our backyard that we call the Elioloro tree. And we had a very good friend uh, who was here undocumented from Guatemala. He was picked up and returned to Guatemala. And about a year after he was returned, he was murdered in his hometown. So we always think of Elioloro and that tree. But my point being is that every one of these people are our neighbor. Everyone is a human being. And I think we've gone through a really ugly period in our country where we've tried to dehumanize the immigrant, the refugee story, and just talk about it as a political problem for our country, that this is a burden for us and that what can we do? You know, this isn't our problem. We shouldn't have to deal with all of this. But, you know, I think the whole developed world is being called upon to open its doors, deal with the consequences of, of, you know, the entire period of history since uh, colonialism, where a lot of the effects are leading to refugees, we help create this problem. We have to help solve it. And as Christians, every one of these individuals is our neighbor and deserving of our attention. And we have to change the script. We have to flip the script that's taking place in our country today about what immigration is about. Absolutely. I completely agree with you, Dana. So our podcast is called Hometown, and I would extend this question to each and every one of you, but what does home mean to you, or how has your understanding of home evolved as you've been part of this critical work of welcome? I've actually been thinking about this a little bit recently. I, I traveled home, um, home. I just used the word home for Easter. I traveled to my childhood home, my parents' house um, for Easter. And um, when I when I got there, I haven't lived there in, in um, over 20 years. And But I stepped foot through the door and just took a sense of, you know, just a sigh, just a sense of relief flooded me of um, peace, of security, of just knowledge that I was, um, you know, within walls that... Um, were with people that that loved and cared for me, and um, but then I turned around and I flew home uh, to DC, and I stepped foot in 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 my home, and I also took a sigh of relief of feeling that I was in this place that embodied um, my family as I'm building it, and I'm um, I'm a relatively new mom, and um, you know one of the things that has just really touched me is reading um, stories of, of refugee families of, of parents and and their children. And and I, you know, I, I think some of this is just tied in every night when I when I tuck in my toddler, you know, I just have this like 
immense wave of gratitude that I am placing him in a bed in a home where he is safe and healthy. And, um, you know, I think that that's, that's, that's the embodiment of home is that, that feeling of security, that feeling of peace and love. And that can vary on, you know, location and, 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 you know, even whether or not it's, it's temporary or permanent, but just, you know, being able to take that, that breath and that feeling that, you know, you, you are okay here, you are safe here. Um, you know, I think that, um, I think that's a, a big piece of it. I'm really touched with what um, Dana said about um, immigrants from, uh, from Guatemala. Um, and when you've, when you've lived in a small town, um, all your life and your extended family is there, how much it would take to um, compel you to leave your home. Um, and there's, I, I guess I, my experience of doing this work of welcome is, has um, helped me appreciate different dimensions of home. Uh, sort of like what I think it was Jess just said about home where she grew up and home where she lives now with her her immediate family. Um, for me, it's the sense of, um, of having a home with the people I love, but also having an, another more expansive sense of the home that we all share as, um, as all children of... Um, of a loving God and how if we're tuned into that dimension of our of our home um, doing this kind of welcoming work um, it just flows so naturally from it because although um, a family may be new to us and we are helping them get settled here in the United States um, as fellow human beings in this world, we are more alike than we are different. And I, I just feel that especially strongly, uh, not only work, uh, with the initiative to help Afghan uh, migrants, but also I'm thinking about all the people and the, uh, who have been displaced or are um, currently hiding, um, trying to stay safe in Ukraine um, right now in, in a situation of war. Um, it's when we recognize that all those people are our brothers and sisters, our siblings, um, that the idea of war and violence become unfathomable um, and antithetical to our humanity. Home to me, I think is a sense of safety and comfort and love. That's what I think of when I think of the word home. I wasn't sure when you asked that question because you had sent us the questions ahead exactly what you meant by it because we do have our home, our personal home, which I think is what most of us have been talking about, but we have our church home, we have our home community, I grew up in a small town, so that is 
different from the large city that I live in now. And then we have our country that we're welcoming, our home country that we're welcoming people from other countries that they can no longer live in. So it has so many different levels. And as the world has gotten smaller, our home has gotten bigger. And now I like to think that my home is this planet Earth that we need to protect from degradation. So it has so many different levels. Um, so before we close, I would love to invite us to prayer. Julianne, would you like to lead us in that? I'd be glad to. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Gracious God, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you by serving our neighbors, by welcoming the stranger, by helping those who have been displaced by war to find a new home and begin a new life. We pray that all our efforts may be to the glory of God and show forth God's love and mercy to the world, and that in a small way our efforts may inspire others to enter into this work. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, Lacey, Jess, Embry, Dana, and Julianne, it was such a pleasure to speak with you about the wonderful work that you are all doing within your Tri-Parish team. So I just want to extend a heartfelt thanks to you and to all of your congregation and all of your congregations and the members and teams at St. John's, St. Mary's, and All Souls Church. It was a pleasure. I've been inspired by hearing uh, hearing everyone and what they have to say. Yes, and, and I agree. And, and thank you, Stephanie, for putting this together and inviting us to, uh, to participate. And I hope that this maybe inspires another sponsor circle somewhere. Listeners, thank you for joining us for today's episode. For more resources and opportunities to get involved with Episcopal Migration Ministries, be sure to visit episcopalmigrationministries.org. You may also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we are EMM Refugees. To stay up to date on all new episodes, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or SoundCloud. This critical work in ministry would not be possible without listeners and supporters like you. To continue to support the Ministry of Welcome, you can make a gift to Episcopal Migration Ministries. With your help, we will continue to welcome and resettle refugees in communities across the country, offer support to asylum seekers, and create beloved community for all of our immigrant siblings. Visit episcopalmigrationministries.org forward slash give or text hometown to 91999. Our theme song composer is Abraham Mawenda Ikondo. Find his music at abrahamawenda.bandcamp.com. Until next time, peace be with you and with all those you consider home.